setting the theme for, or setting the scene really for our theme today, which is about how we might deal with busyness. Here's a, a picture for you that hopefully will come up on the screen. Uh, this uh, was a picture that somebody must have taken of uh, the dining room table uh, at home, I think, because it seems to have always been like that. Um, but today, I have to say, is quite a difficult subject uh, for me to address. After all, when you only work on Sundays, um, what at all can I share and impart with everybody else here? Thankfully, we have God's word to teach us and to guide us in life's issues. And of course, in our day, when maybe we're tempted to be more human doings than human beings, We need all the help that we can get, can't we? We're going to be again drawing from the book of Proverbs, which is a series uh, that we've been going through from the Old Testament to see what God might be saying to us. His timeless truths in changing times. And we've heard a little bit about that and particularly that personal threat uh, and the family dynamic for Romy, but changing times for all of us. But his word is unchanging and we indeed worship an unchanging God. And it's in that that we ought to have great confidence. Now, I know many of you here today are also uh, retired. So for you, obviously, there's not even uh, Sunday work and you have all the time in the world. Now, don't stone me. Don't stone me. I knew I had to quite quickly cut in there because I'm aware that that is not the case for many, if not all of you. Many retired people have quoted to me over and over, I'm busier now than I have ever been. I have no idea how I ever had time to go to work. Is, is that is that true? For, for, yeah? There we go. And some of you haven't even got time to put your hand up. You think, come on, let's let's move on. I want to show you uh, a picture of uh, a friend of mine. This is me and uh, Gordon. Um, That's me. You can work out which I am. And Gordon, many of you might remember me telling you that a year ago, uh, Gordon uh, there suddenly died, tragically. Gordon was a senior pastor of my previous church. We'd known each other for about 30 years, supported one another through the ups and downs of ministry life. He's a great guy, and I still really miss him. Gordon and I used to meet up at what's called Bloke South 2. There's two different groups, and, and we were in the second one, Bloke South 2, where there's about 10 of us as pastors that used to meet three times a year for, for 28, uh, 20, 28, 24 hours. Hours, uh, as an overnight uh, stay uh, down in the Swanage area, and that was great. Gordon and I then used to meet about six months, uh, every six months, uh, halfway between here and Totten, and we used to meet up for a breakfast and share. And inevitably, uh, I would then ask one of those opening type questions of Gordon, saying, "How's it going, then, Gordon?" And without doubt, without him ever realising. His response was sad, standard. Oh, Rog, let me tell you. I have been so busy lately. Now, how many of us use that phrase? Oh, life has been so busy lately. I've been so busy lately. How long? 
long has lately been? For me, probably at least 30 years, if I'm honest. We're just in that season of beginning to get Christmas newsletters from all those families that like to brag about their children. And we think, if only my kids were like that. You know the ones, but in there, no doubt the first line of many will be, sorry I've not been in touch, but life has been busy. And uh, there's no surprise, is there? It's into that that we are thinking about this subject today of how do we deal with this busyness? We've got so much to cram in. And of course, within that stuff that we're trying to cram in, there are so many different necessities as well. We have to go shopping. So we fill our trolley and we then get to the checkout and we try to assess which which checkout has got less people at because if we get the right till, then we're going to be able to get through quicker to get on to the next thing that we have uh, to do. We then, of course, maybe many of us work through our lunch because we haven't got time to have a proper lunch hour. What's a lunch hour? I'm not going to ask you how many of you tend to have that. And then, of course, there are those journeys, maybe longer journeys we take. And we don't know whether or not to be in this lane, this lane or this lane. The the lane that we're in is definitely going slower than the other one. So we then quickly slip across to the other lane so that we might get there even quicker and if we play our cards right we then think ah now all of a sudden the slowness of the lanes is changing I'll whip back again yes and we're celebrating we've overtaken about 30 cars we see the petrol gauge rats we need to go and put off and get petrol and then we watch all those cars that have that we've actually passed then driving past ourselves we make lists with all the things that we got to do But we don't have time, do we, to actually complete all the things that's on those lists. Or maybe we start some things, but then never quite finish. Our fence was looking a little bit wobbly because the wood at the bottom was getting a bit rotten. I didn't have time amidst my busyness to properly fix it. So I bought a couple of met posts and that that easy to, to make concrete that you just chuck the water in. It wouldn't have taken me that long to dig a couple of holes, but I didn't have the time. So I just temporarily propped it up, which was fine. When I've got time, I will mend that fence. And then tomorrow, the, uh, yesterday, the whole thing was plastered across our driveway the whole fence had come down if only I had made time why did I not have the time because I've been so busy lately the result of course of our busyness is frustration and often severe stress if we're honest We get caught up in that rat race. The National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health released a study that said executive stress costs America $20 billion a year. They estimated that the total cost of stress on the workforce is now $100 billion a year. Now that's out there. It's no easier over here. I like the story I read this week about a lecturer when explaining stress management to an audience, raised a glass of water and asked, I've got a glass of water over there, but I haven't got time. It's too busy to go and get the glass of water to hold it up. But he raised a glass of water and asked the people that were gathered, how heavy was the glass of water? And answers that were called out ranged from 20 grams to 500 grams. Some thinking it was maybe a trick question. This is the way that 
the lecturer replied, he said, the absolute weight doesn't matter. It depends on how long you try to hold it. If I hold it for a minute, it's not a problem. If I hold it for an hour, I'll have an ache in my right arm. If I hold it for a day, you'll have to call an ambulance. In each case, it's the same weight. But the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. And that's the way with stress management. That's the way with our busyness. If we carry our burdens all the time, sooner or later, that burden, our busyness, will simply become increasingly heavy and we won't be able to carry on. As with the glass of water, you have to put it down for a while and rest before holding it again. When we're refreshed, we can carry on with our own busyness. So before you return home, Put the burden of work down. Don't carry it home. You can always pick it up tomorrow. Whatever burdens you're carrying, now let them down for a moment if you can. Romy's already shared. She didn't know I was going to read that story about that verse where God has spoken to her about handing our burdens over to the person of Jesus. What difference can he make? Well, why don't you do that and give him an opportunity to respond we are we are going to do that before we go forward and hear god's word and unpack some of the practical uh, things to do with this subject we sometimes have sung a song here in this church called revival and in it we sing a line which says lay your burdens down the bible has got much to do to say uh, about busy lifestyles which is one of the reasons that we're looking at it this morning it's not just topical for our day. It's topical because it's in God's word. And therefore, we need to read it and know how we might discern God's truth for our lives from it. As I say, we're going to be drawing some truth from the book of Proverbs, that book which is all about sussing out life. Some full-on practical pointers. We'll be exploring that. But first, actually, we are going to read God's word first. We're going to remind ourselves of the words of Jesus as Pat's going to come forward to read this to us. But it's in a different translation from the one that you may well know of. And then we're going to seek to place our burdens down as we come to God in worship. Pat, if you'd like to come forward and read God's word to us, you can follow these words in Matthew chapter 11 of your own Bible. We'll study that later. But this is from a translation called The Message. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Good morning, all. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it, line by line, with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now some of you are wondering if you're watching on TV how I got from being over that side and then walking on on this side, I expect. There you go. Okay, so we're looking at this theme of how we deal with busyness. And we've had a little bit of a chuckle and a little bit of a giggle because we get it. But this is a very serious subject because many of us are struggling. Some of us have been struggling for years because we've never really cracked how we might apply God's word to, uh, to our own lives in a way that really does make a difference. Someone once said, you know, I'm just so busy. The only thing I've got time to do is to tell other people how busy I am. <laughs> so let's start off with, in one sense, the most obvious thing of all. Make time for God. Of course, that's very easy for me to just stand up here and say, but I've got to be honest, if I don't say that first, I'm doing you guys a disservice. Imagine, hypothetically, of course, being at a busy meeting at church. There are lots of agenda items. The devotional thought was scrapped. It was deemed that there wouldn't be time for that. Open prayer was scrapped so that they could crack on with the already full agenda. The usual time of quiet and listening to God was scrapped because there were too many things to discuss and there were some very important decisions that had to be made in what seemed like the blink of an eye. Time had gone, the meeting had not gone well, there had been friction and frustration, people had got up, uh, just were about to get up to leave when the chair suddenly realised they hadn't closed in prayer. Inviting someone to pray, he added, make it a quickie, we're already over time. And that's obviously a hypothetical situation. I'm sure similar never happens in your own world, where we get too busy, we're so busy, and we kind of haven't quite got time for God. And, and, and something that was quite ironic just before even the service, uh, Paul, uh, bless him, uh, said about, oh, has anybody prayed with you? I said, no, uh, but as Paul was going to be, be praying for me, I thought that's wonderful. I said, Paul, there, there isn't a handheld microphone that's been sorted out. Oh, and, and the chocolates aren't there. And of course, we've discovered that we didn't have a microphone here. Uh, have we got time to pray? We did make time to, to pray. But I'm thinking, oh, it's going to start soon. It's going to start soon. So easy for us to suddenly forget what matters most, making time to pray. Some of us, I guess, need to hear that, don't we? If we're honest. And if it makes you feel any better... The person who probably needs to hear this the most is me. So I hope that encourages you because I struggle here. It's easy for God to get squeezed out for all of us. And pastors are not immune. I'm so grateful that this church has from day one built in what's called a sabbatical. Not everybody's going to understand what that concept is, but there's a period of time out uh, once every uh, five years where I can just disappear and in one sense do my own thing, but have an opportunity for those batteries to be recharged. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm grateful to God for the fact that my day off on a Friday has always been protected Now, in case you've sent me an email or a text on a Friday, this isn't being said so that you now feel guilty. What I mean is there's not been any demands on that Friday. As a church, you've honoured that, and I want to bless you for that. 
As you think about time ahead for a new uh, pastor, make sure those two things I've mentioned are still built in. I would add on to that because I know of my own weaknesses. Maybe that you seek to encourage the person who's in that place to once a month have an additional day where they take time out to seek God. Where once a year they have some form of retreat over a weekend or a training event or a conference where they're on the receiving end. We're not very good at making those things happen in and of ourselves. Whoever that individual is, is going to need a team around them to maybe encourage them to do that. We all need times to refill and refuel. And you can think about the similar pattern in your own life as well. Whatever those times are uh, in terms of your own uh, busyness. The individual and the church, we've both got a dual responsibility there. One church reformer, Martin Luther, once said this. He said, I am so, so busy in my uh, day that I have ahead. I'm going to need to spend an additional three hours in prayer first. (laughs) I have to say it's those kind of things that challenge me to say not just that I need more time, but what I need is more time with God. We, each of us, I'm sure, need that. I'm still, still learning what that might look like for me. Proverbs chapter 10, verse um, 27 says, Reverence for God adds hours to each day. There's something of a healthy principle built in there. What does reverence mean? It means to take God seriously so that he's not an afterthought. Now, of course, if you were to ask me, well, Roger, is God an afterthought in your life? I would be quick to say, no, of course he isn't. But in practice, because you would have answered in the same way, what's the reality? Ever been in those days where we've just not really got time for God and of course that's the thin end of the wedge isn't it he's the one ultimately that we need to answer to and especially regarding how that we spend our time Corrie ten Boone said these words if you look at the world you'll be distressed if you look within you'll probably be depressed but if you look to Jesus Christ first you'll be at rest Jesus said come Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, loaded down, and I will give you rest. Those were the words that Pat read out from a slightly different translation, quite deliberately read from a different translation so we might capture afresh what for some of us are maybe words that we just know that can go in one ear and out the other. Jesus' words are not just so that we hear, and they are, I know that one, it's so that we own them. So that in owning his truth, it transforms us, me, from the inside out. So make time for God. Let's also, secondly, choose to have a positive outlook on life amidst our busyness. It's difficult if we're going through a rough time. And of course, we can, uh, we can feel uh, how we feel emotionally may reflect that. But we always have a choice in how we respond in those times or in our busyness. Wow, wasn't it such a beautiful day today, was it? I have no idea. I was locked inside all day along with my busyness. I did not have time to see and open my eyes how amazing God's world is. And we were talking about that actually in Cafe Church yesterday um, uh, when we met here, which we do each Saturday morning.
Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, says these words. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. And yet, how many of our to-do lists are to do with those things purely to get done, the things on earth? Maybe we need to look at that list afresh. Jesus said in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. But they very often are. If Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, that word let must mean that we've got a sense of choice. There is something that's down to ourselves about how we respond in those tough times, about how we respond with those burdens that are coming our way within our own very often self-inflicted busyness. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. We read there, an anxious heart weighs a person down, but a kind word cheers us up. Humour can help, can't it? Uh, Like one of those adverts that I saw that make me smile. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. (laughs) Think about it. I found that rather amusing. In fact, when Jesus himself spoke about worry in Matthew chapter 6, he used the phrase, do not worry, as a command three times. When scripture repeats itself, it's because there's an added emphasis of seriousness about something that we need to take hold of. Surely if Jesus says, do not worry, three times. Firstly, that must be important. Secondly, to do the opposite may well be sin. I'm not saying it is, but we ought to reflect on whether it is. Here was this Jesus. Well, of course, it was easy for him, wasn't it? What was it? Think about his life. He was mocked, homeless, persecuted, let down, knew that he had to be tortured and murdered, but he had a very positive outlook on life. And I'm encouraging ourselves to have the same. If we don't feel we're going to get everything done, we rush. We work later. We get stressy. Jesus didn't. He didn't even have email. He didn't even have, wait for it, a mobile phone. And as we were chatting about this yesterday, and uh, Rich Cox was, uh, was here, and he said, well, maybe it was because he didn't have email that he did have time. Who is it that you're a slave to? Or is your mobile phone and your laptop a slave to you? Hopefully we get that the right way around. But think about this person of Jesus, the Son of God. Did he save everybody? No. Did, um, uh, did everybody hear him? No. Did everybody get healed? Did he go out of his way to heal everybody? No. Did he rush to do extra? No, he didn't appear to. He was never in a hurry. Not from the reading of the Gospels. And yet he did everything that he had to do in his life. I'm a lot older now than Jesus was when he died, and I've got nowhere near. How are you doing? And that's probably just on your own last to-do list, let alone the ones that you find maybe in a box somewhere or in a bureau hidden away that still are uncompleted. Jesus' first public uh, recorded words were when he was just 12 years of age, where he said, I must be about my father's business. What words for a 12-year-old 
to utter. There's a, a guy with a life purpose, age 12. His last recorded words on the cross were the words, it is finished. Now just think about that start and end for a moment. I must be about my father's business, age 12, looking ahead at that which was to come, at all the things that he needed to do and to achieve. But by age 33, it's finished. I've done the lot. That can only happen if we're able to manage our sense of busyness and we get our priorities right, as well as having a positive outlook on life. Yet Jesus never seemed to walk through life in a hurry or negatively, and he certainly was not a workaholic. Are you? I've met a number of people that would fall into that category. What amazes me is how proud they are about that. Thirdly, let's seek to sort out our priorities and stick to them. Now, at this point, I do want to come clean and say, do as I say, not as I do. This is not a strong point uh, of mine. And my line of support was glaring at me from the back. So I'll look over this side because it's more comfortable. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 24 from the Good News Version, we read this. An intelligent person aims at wise actions. But a fool starts off in many different directions. Well, I know which category I fall into. What about you? Let's sort out our priorities and then seek to stick to them. Remember the person that's spinning all those plates at the circus. They get one going, then the next one, and then the next one. And by the time they get to the one right the way down the end of the row, they need to come to carry on spinning that very first plate again. And that can be a picture of our own lives sometimes, can't it? The spinning of all these different plates. Or maybe you've seen a child on a roundabout in the park. Do you like roundabouts in the park? I get a bit of a headache. You know those roundabouts go round and round and round? I I can't go on those at all. But maybe you've seen a child on there and, and somebody else is pushing that roundabout round and round and round. It's going faster and faster and faster. And there's an adult looking on. You know that child is looking increasingly uncomfortable and they want to get off. But they don't know how. They don't know when. And as an adult, we think, I need to seek to save this person, to rescue them from this endless, endless, uh, increasing speed roundabout. But, you know, in our lives as adults, we ain't no better. Many of us know we're on this roundabout that's going faster and faster. We want to get off it, but we just do not know how. And yet if we're asked how we're doing, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm coping. <sighs> Maybe today, it's a day for us to take stock and think, you know what, there's a couple of roundabouts I need to get off so that I have a better life balance that's secured. Jack, bottom cousins, shared on Wednesday this week with us about his work in Chad on Wednesday night. We recorded that on audio and I'm hoping we can send uh, that uh, out to, to people if you would like that. It was incredibly inspirational as Jack always uh, is. Equally inspirational was time with Jack before then. We went uh, into town and got a burger and chips, which was brilliant because he paid. But it was also brilliant because we just shared stories of our journey uh, together. 
And we were sharing about the different busyness without me thinking about uh, what we were looking at this weekend. And then Jack said these words. He said, you know, I've realised that good things can become bad things when there are simply too many things. I said, what did you just say? I said, can I put that on my phone a minute? And I remember what I was sharing here. I said, you okay if I, if I share that on Sunday morning? He said, yeah, sure. I said, well, that's good, because I was going to anyway. It was just ma- merely a matter of whether or not I was going to quote him or just come up with it, and you thought it was my wisdom. Let me repeat it. I've realized that good things can become bad things when there are simply too many things. What we need to involve ourselves in are the God things that he wants for us. Now, I don't mean necessarily it has to all be overtly spiritual things. The toilet still needs to be cleaned. The tea still needs to be cooked. And we still need to fill up the car with petrol. Those are the things that are equally important that we still need to do. But maybe we need to think about the too many things, some of us. What is it we should be doing with our lives? What is God calling for you in your own life? It's easy to be deflected off track. I know that. I know the guilt that I felt with that. Spending hours of my time doing good things, but not necessarily doing God things or the most urgent things. And sometimes it's too late that I've realised and I've missed another deadline. Because although I was involved in the good, I wasn't involved in the most urgent. So let's take stock of our priorities Proverbs again, chapter 12, verse 11, encourages us bluntly, it is stupid to waste time on useless projects. Interesting glances backwards and forwards around at the hall. We have to learn the difference, don't we, between what is urgent and what is important. List your priorities and stick to them. Roger. Find a system that works for you. What works for me, my will, not work for you. But it's important that we do think to come up with something that is going to work. We're going to live our life either by our priorities or our pressures. One of those things is going to control us. And it's down to ourselves which one. If we don't set our own agenda, then someone else will. Establish a routine that works. Make time for yourself and then take stock how you're doing. And finally, very briefly, before Glenn comes to lead us in something that may well be a little bit different this morning. Don't be afraid to ask for help. The trouble is we see that asking someone else for help as a sign of weakness, don't we? And yet we see it for other people as being a strength if they would actually ask for our help. But for ourselves, no, it's a sign of weakness. So I better not say anything. And we bulldoze on regardless. I'm not too sure why that is, apart from maybe our own pride. It may well be, of course, that no one else can help or no one else can fully appreciate what it is that you're going through. But it really does help to find someone that we can talk to or that we can offload to. There is such potential here for the church because we're not church as individuals. The word church 
is all about a cluster, a group. It's the group word. Like flock is the group word for sheep. So church is the group word for believers. The whole thing of being a believer in isolation does not exist in New Testament thinking. Did you know that? Oh, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Oh, boring. If you're in prison, fine, you've not got a choice. But outside of that, church is corporate. Listen to what Paul said to uh, a church in Galatia. And then, Glenn, I'll hand over to you. I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to leave that with you. He said in Galatians chapter 6, beginning verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something or she's something when they're nothing, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Do you know, two things struck me in that. If we think today about our burdens being our busyness, there's two things that sit hand in hand. I've got a responsibility to carry my own load, to deal with my own busyness. There are some decisions that only I can make. But alongside that and dovetailed into that, we are called, indeed commanded, to carry and share one another's burdens. But we can only do that if we're honest with one another. Dare to be the church of God that his word expected, demanded and and requires and desires of each and every one of us. Food for thought. Let's take our responsibility individually for carrying our load but alongside that let's seek to support one another, love one another, give to one another. In Jesus' name. Glenn. Sorry, dodging round the Christmas tree. Bit mad, really. Should have come the other way. Um, <clears throat> that was brilliant. Thank you, Roger. Um, just really brilliant food for thought, and and actually sends us to a position ready for next week, and we're going to be talking about belonging. So that just that last point, just and I'm preaching. So that's what's on in my head right now. But um, in my busyness, in my life. Um, I don't know about you, but I find that um, the stuff buzzes around my head and I can't get away from the busyness. You know, even if I stop, it's just still there and, I, and you can't get away from it. And it took me, I've been on a journey, and we've talked about it before a little bit, um, a journey into spirituality. And part of that, Roger's asked me uh, to, to just bring uh, a meditation for us right now. Because what I find, and you call it a meditation, you can call it a prayer. Um, what I find, what it does is, it, uh, in, in contemplative words you, you use, it's called a centering prayer. It takes us from that busyness that's buzzing around your head back into you, into the present, into what's happening. And when you get back into you, you can hear God too, instead of all the busyness. So, I hope you're up for this. Well, let's do a meditation together. Um, if you were to just kind of get yourself sitting comfortably, um, the idea is to kind of sit kind of upright, you know, not slouching, so that you can breathe easily and breathe well. Um, 
And we'll start. Are you ready? So if you're sitting and you're back to adopt an erect, dignified posture, neither stiff nor tensed up, just listen to the words, just relax into it. Keep your eyes closed or if you don't like um, your eyes closed, just kind of look unfocused in front of you. Have your feet flat on the floor with your legs uncrossed. Allow your eyes to close, or if not, your gaze so it falls unfocused a few feet in front of you. Bring your awareness to physical sensations by focusing your attention on the sensations of touch in the body where it is in contact with the chair or the floor or whatever you're touching. Spend a few moments just exploring these sensations. Now, focus your attention on your feet, starting with the toes. Expand the spotlight of attention so that it takes in the soles of your feet, the heels, and the top of your feet, until you're attending to any and all of the physical sensations you become aware of in both feet, moment by moment. Spend a few moments attending to the feet in this way, Noticing how sensations arise and dissolve in awareness. If there are no sensations in this region of the body, simply register a blank. This is perfectly fine. You're not trying to make sensations happen. You're simply registering what is already there when you attend. Now expand your attention to take in the rest of both legs for a few moments. And then the torso. And then the left arm and the right arm. And then the neck and head. Spend a moment or two just resting in the awareness of the whole body. See if it's possible to allow your body and its sensations to be just as you find them. Explore how it is to let go of the tendency to want things to be a certain way. Even one brief moment of seeing how things are without wanting to change anything can be profoundly nourishing. Now bring your awareness to the breath as it moves in and out of the body at the abdomen. Notice the changing patterns of physical sensations in this region of the body as the breath moves in and out. In and out. It may help you to place your hand here just for a few breaths and feel the abdomen rising and falling. 
you may notice mild sensations of stretching as the abdomen gently rises with each in-breath. And different sensations as the abdomen falls with each out-breath. As best you can, follow closely with your attention so that you notice the changing physical sensations for the full duration of each in-breath and the full duration of each out-breath. Perhaps noticing the slight pauses in between. There's no need to control your breathing in any way at all. Simply let the breath breathe itself. Sooner or later your attention will wander away from the breath. You may find thoughts, images, plans or daydreams coming up. Such mind wandering is not a mistake, it's simply what minds do. When you notice that your awareness is no longer on the breath, you might congratulate yourself. You've already woken up enough to know it and are once more aware of your experience in this moment. Simply acknowledge where the mind has wandered to and then gently escort your attention back to the sensations in your abdomen. The mind will likely wander over and over and over again. So each time remember that the aim is simply to note where the mind has been and then gently escort your attention back to the breath. See if it's possible to view these repeated wanderings of the mind as opportunities to nurture greater patience within yourself. In time, you may discover that this quality of kindliness towards the wandering mind brings a sense of compassion towards other aspects of your experience, that the wandering mind has been a great ally ally in your practice and not the enemy that you supposed it to be. So as we come to the end of this breathing meditation, bring your awareness back up to the room. Breathe in and out. And we come to our prayer time. some set prayers let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all men according to their needs almighty God who has promised 
to hear the prayers of all those who ask in faith. Lord, we think of all those that need you right now. We think especially of uh, Daisy and Katie and Graham. Lord, we lift that family up to you. Grant that we and all who confess your name might be united in truth, live together in your love, and show your glory in the world. We pray for all those in authority. We lift to you our government, our leaders. Father, in this time, we need you to break through. We see so much of a mess in this world. And we pray that you would be in control. We know you have all the plans, Lord. And we just pray that all of our leaders would submit to your will, to your way. Give us grace to our families and friends and to all our neighbours in Christ, that we may serve him in one another and love as he loves us. Save and comfort those who suffer, that they may hold to you through good and ill, and trust in your unfailing love. Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.